from the land of adventure and diversity. These are the stories of extraordinary Africans, only on Faces of Africa. In the centuries before the Suez Canal, the trade route between East and West had to pass Cape Town, South Africa. Established in 1652 to stock passing ships with supplies, it was in the Western Cape that Africa's first capital-intensive farming took place. Almost 500 years later, that farming tradition continues and food is a major industry here. Only now, the challenge is not to supply passing ships, but rather to help provide food for a continent of more than a billion people. My name is Andre Kluter and uh, the farm's called Klein Ezel Yacht Farm. The farm consists of uh, 871 hectares, which are, I mean, 590s, Feinbos, all mountainous areas. The rest is uh, grainlands where we produce crops on uh, 265 hectares. Right. Uh, Neville, start going to track him. I was going to let him spite him. Look how he will look. Look. Just to. And uh, here today, it's uh, been planted to apples and pears. Uh, it's about uh, 52 hectares. At this time of year, Klein Eseljacht farm is busy pruning. You see a branch like this? Okay, here's a typical example. It's gonna cut up, it's gonna cut it just like that with this pruning saw. Okay, and this one, not a blocker, if it's one you can bend down. Just like that. Bend it down, and it's perfect in the position. There's space for them. This one going to block all this. Like in the, in the season, this branch will be full of leaves as well. So it's going to be a blocker there. And it doesn't belong here. Pruning, as if you come prune now, you put it right into the, into the fruit. Into the fruit. You see? That one there into fruit there. This one, there's no fruit there, cut it, get it into the fruit. You see, that's how you do it. Jacobus, focus on what you said, and you cut these all into fruit. That's it, look here, the spur unit there. That's into fruit, that's into fruit there. There we go, there we go. And the branches, that's been pruned nicely. Stop the branch into fruit so there, all the nutrients and the water and all the stuff goes stop into the, into the fruit, yeah. Andre Kluter falls into the category of previously disenfranchised or emerging black farmers in South Africa. In an attempt to correct the ills of apartheid, the government is supporting emerging farmers like Andre. He runs a diversified farming operation that includes crops like barley and wheat. 
Bradford's key cash crops are apples and pears, and he has invested heavily in new varietals. How's it? Good. A dream is a, is a small child, six years old, uh, that I want to be a, a farmer. I grew up on a farm. I was part of eight siblings. So I was the youngest, and I, and I, and I told my mom that I want to be like the, the, the boss. The, the, we used to call him master. I went to school to study agriculture at the college. After that, came back and uh, worked as an irrigation design department and then, then to uh, a farm in Grubo. I started as an assistant manager and then onto this farm. So I'm now uh, 11 years on, on this as a family business here. While successful emerging farmers like Andre put their all into the farming operations, investing their earnings and savings into growing their businesses, they feel they need long-term security. Whether they are first-time farmers or more experienced operators like Andre, the desire for tenure and ownership is a common feature. I would say security is, is very important. It's number one. Uh, I've got a three-year lease agreement, and that's sort of a security. But if I can buy the farm, uh, that will be the given price. I will, I will definitely, so that's my own on, on property, uh, I've got a title deed. That's 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 more for security. While Andre looks forward to acquiring a title deed in years to come, some young farmers, especially independent urban farmers and entrepreneurs find it a struggle to get even a basic lease agreement. The most challenge that we have at the moment is that we don't have enough land because firstly we are unable to meet the demand of the community. Because even now we're harvesting, but we can't take a lot of orders because we won't be able to, to meet the demand. In early 2020, Mumisa Mkabile lost her job. She turned to farming after realizing many residents in the area lacked access to vegetables, especially during the lockdown. But financing her venture has been a major challenge. I would love to apply for finance. I've tried, but then the land that we're actually using at the moment does not belong to the person that we're actually renting the land to. It belongs to Cape Nature, so it's very difficult for us to actually get a lease agreement from Cape Nature. Any financial institution, when they want to fund you, they need to know that you have a contract with the person who's actually the owner of, of the land. So when they actually give you any, any, any support that you need, they need to know that you'll be able to maintain it, for example, for five years, because they don't want to invest in something, then after three months, then nothing is happening. So you need to have, that's the importance of having a lease agreement. But what also makes it very difficult for us as farmers is because sometimes you apply for lease and there's a certain capital that we need to pay. So it's very difficult for us. For example, you want you get land and you need to pay 10,000 in order for that a landowner 
to give you that lease. So for us as farmers to actually get that 10,000, it's very difficult, especially if we haven't planted anything or especially if we haven't started harvesting. So that is also the difficulties that we face as farmers when it comes to getting lease. farm without land is dangerous. A farm with leased land, and you sit with government, you, know, you don't know who's going to take over in the next five years. You don't know whenever policies will be changed. Are you covered by the common law of the country? My wish is that government eyes must, must be open and release the land, especially where there's success, where they see people can stand on their own. We assist the, the people to become commercial farmers, release the land and, uh, and, and be, be uh, proud of assisting a black farmer. That's it, but to keep the land in their name and you have to stay emerging farmer because uh, you're standing like that, hands open, every time you need funding because of no collateral, then no difficulty. Common sense. Despite the challenges, Mumisa has been pushing on with her venture, even without the lease agreement she needs. She hopes her consistency and widely recognized success will help her appeal to the local Ministry of Agriculture and to financiers for support. The people that are here today is the Department of Agriculture. Um, I actually applied for, 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 for funding, which means they'll be giving us vouchers like the people usually form at their backyards. So I actually applied for funding. So today they came for a site visit just to check that, um, because I said that I'm a farmer, I'm farming um, crops and I'm also doing livestock. So they actually came to check um, if what I said on the application list is actually true. So they came for a site visit. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen a lot of changes. <laughs> it was bare here, so I'm surprised I came here. There is something new, so. So all the best with this application, perfecting. Thank you so much. I hope Okay, they're very impressed because the first time that they came here, I was actually doing spinach. So when they came today, they're seeing progress because now I'm actually doing green peppers. So they are very impressed with everything that I've achieved starting from the 20th of March, 2020, up until today. Welcome to Leland Fontaine. It is the home of our family for eight generations um, now. The issue of lease agreement and title deeds issuance in South Africa is one that will need redress for emerging farmers who desire to move their farming business to the next level, commercial farming. This farm was issued in 1699 as a freehold to the French Huguenot, Philip de Royen. It's been in the family now just more than 200 years. But most farms in this valley has been issued um, 
by the, the VOC, the Dutch VOC company. And basically, if you can survive here, you can and start to work with the land and farm and produce wheat and wine. Wellington, in the heart of the country's winelands, has long been recognized for its perfect geography and climate for growing young grapevines. Cold, wet winters, hot summers, and well-drained soils have made this area the center of the country's grape sapling trade for generations. Yeah, so this is the old cellar. Uh, my grandfather made wine here until uh, 1956. Yeah, it was very primitive. The, the grapes came in through that door in baskets and there's five fermenting tanks. This is three of them. Threw the basket of grapes in the tank and um, the grapes are naturally started fermented to wild fermentation and then after halfway through the fermentation would open the door and the wine would run through the thorough to the catch pit over there. So there was really uh, no, no electric pumps, no cooling. So very, very um, hands-on, primitive setup. My name is Korlia Furi, and I'm the head of wine and viticulture here at Bosman Family Vineyards. I uh, started here 12 years ago joined the family with their re-entry into the wine industry. As you can see around us, an old 260-year-old cellar, but then also modernized facility in which we've been making some wines now for the last 12 years. Having the old structures does play to the fact that there's beautiful heritage and a history for this family. In South Africa, we have such a diverse landscape. We have more than 47 different grape varieties, uh, different landscapes on which they're grown. And Bosman, at the heart of it, because of the nursery business, we have, um, we have the opportunity to work with all of that. But then there's a next layer where it comes to production methods or winemaking methods. So we, for instance, started with a product Fides. It's a Grenache Blanc fermented on its skins. And that's opened up a niche, playful place where um, wine lovers and really wine connoisseurs look and see what we do with wine specifically. In the 60s or the yeah, late 50s, the winemaking um, and technology and I think with the industrial, yeah, it's changed. It was the beginning of mechanical presses, cold fermentations. So the cellar needed a significant upgrade. My grandfather, he also at that time started crafting or selling um, you know, grafted vines um, and so focusing on the nursery division on, of the business and expanding that. And then in 2007, we made the first wine on the estate again. Daarom eer ons en bid ons in my God 
omdat u die maker en die skepper is van onze leven. Vader, zien ons nog verder en word verheerlijk. Ons vraag al hierdie dinge vermoorden, omdat ons het die verdien maar uit genade, sê is vir die baie, baie dankie. Amen. Five hundred people work in various sectors of the farm. Pietrus's father created a trust in which the workers become part of the business ownership, forming a partnership with them called the Bosman Adama Trust. Ivan Thomas is the Adama Trust chairman. When we start with the, the, the shareholding business, we didn't know much of the business, but since 2009, we are part of the business. We are saying everything that's happened daily or in the business decisions is has to take. We are part of the Adama Trust is working only for the workers. But on the business side, we have all people saying the business. These workers have continued to execute one of the unique practices here for generations, the grafting of young vines. In the 1850s, the entire world's wine and grape industry was almost wiped out by a disease called phylloxera. A solution was to graft disease-resistant American rootstock with a growing section sourced from Europe or elsewhere. Lily Fontaine is able to grow both rootstock and growing section and expertly graft them to produce saplings right here on the farm. During May, we start to prepare the rootstock. That is when we can get the long suits and then we cut it in a bundle and suit the rootstock, the 280 millimeters, and we take the butts out so that it can reserve the certain First, we cut it, the raw material, and we take the butts out. Then we count it in bundles of 100, and then we put it in water for maybe 12 hours, and then close the cold room for nearly two months. We take both sides, and we put them together to create a vine. And we make a chop inside. And then we take the soil. Really, we take two butts, create a vine. And then after that, we put some stables in it to close the gap between the bones. Once the varietals are grafted, they are put in a temperature-controlled room. Then, in early spring, they're taken out into the fields to be planted in rows on virgin soil to avoid contaminants until they germinate. Tomorrow they're going to start planting. And when, after the whole process of the fertilizers, the water, the whole system, bring it that you grow. Grow it for seven months. And after the seven months, we uproot it, take it out of the soil, and then we're gonna sort it out. 
and that is when after the sorting out then we have the plant inspectors who come and can look if the material is right. Grafting is a meticulous and labor-intensive process, but these skilled workers process millions of saplings, and it all has to be done within a short season, in a few weeks between late winter and early spring. The farm invests heavily in training young people to ensure the skills are passed on from one generation to the next. Varietals are imported from all over the world. They are first quarantined. The farm has a scientific lab with a quarantine section where all the imported vines are stored and tested for the disease at the lab. Once checked, it can then be grafted. For 10 years now, the farm has been fair trade certified, providing high quality varietals to wine farms in the region and abroad. Apart from investing heavily in sustainable agriculture through passing on key farming knowledge and skills, South Africa runs high-tech food processing units like this one here. In our company, we use, I think, the most, the oldest preserving technology, and that's drying. So by removing moisture, we can get a food into a shelf-stable shelf position without adding preservatives. So we developed over the years the technology where we can dry firstly very quickly. So I think the longer the product stays in a, in a convection drying environment, it is losing quality and color and nutrition and flavor. So the unique system that we use is uh, created and designed to have a very short drying time, therefore preserving a lot of the nutrition, color and flavor. I think the, the exciting part is that our drying time normally in our normal fruit snacks is about seven, seven and a half hours, whereas the normal drying time in any convection is about 16 to 18 hours. So we're going from seven and a half hours to almost just five minutes. With $10 billion food exports annually, the country has not only ensured advancement in technology, but also in the acquisition of intellectual property by plants such as this one. Since I finished university as a, as a food engineer, I was, I was intrigued with how can I add value to waste? Because we, we generate a lot of food waste, but waste that's not really going into the high value markets. So it ends up in juice or concentrates. And I think the whole idea with grassroots is to take those products, take them away from the normal juice and uh, concentrate market and put them in a different category. And that's the technology we, we developed to make sure we can take those lower value products 
rework them in a shelf-stable product by adding value and then pitch them in a different category. Fruits have very specific seasons. Thus, if you develop processes or technologies that extend the season, you are able to sustain the food chain and keep distribution going throughout the year. We have a lot of the farmers buying into that and really supporting us, but they have basically a fresh export market, and that's for 60 to 70% of their fruit. Uh, then there's a, a local market component, but 10 to 20% of their fruit goes into juice or concentrates. And that's not a value-added product. And by taking that product and taking a lot of raw material off the market, they're getting better prices there, and we can then offer them much better prices for those material into our snack category. Despite their snacks being filled with nutritional value, grassroots products were at first not embraced in the local markets. I think the awareness of taking responsibility for your own health is growing. When we started in 94, 96, we couldn't sell our products because everybody was buying on price. So we developed products that was healthy, had no sulfur, no preservatives, but we just couldn't sell it. And I think that was part of the success of grassroots is we were forced to go overseas. So the Swiss market was the first market that took our products in. They were really understanding the health drive and uh, they were really embracing our products. And we started off with our bulk business into Switzerland. It then grew into Germany and then into the UK. So I think the awareness and I think our current situation will make people more aware of the responsibility for their own health and really building their immune systems. And, and I think that's a decision we can all make. Today we actually harvesting <laughs> and then we're also gonna do some deliveries. So we're just harvesting today. Yes, it's harvest day. Apples grow wild in Kazakhstan. The forests of apples in, in those mountains between Russia and Kazakhstan and between China and, and Kazakhstan. I think the first really apple trees came in barrels as plants from Holland. And then it was planted here and the industry started in 1662. In South Africa, we have such a diverse landscape. We have more than 47 different grape varieties, uh, different landscapes on which they're grown. We have, um, we have the opportunity to work with all of that. 